Welcome to Pop Law Podcast. I am your host, Desiree, and I'm still not your attorney. It has been a crazy 2020. Now we are here in 2021. And what a perfect way to relaunch the podcast during Black History Month. Uh, We're going into the interview series. I will be interviewing some of my favorite attorneys on topics that are important to our audience and that impact Black culture. And so first and foremost, I want to introduce our first guest of the new launch of pop law black history month again miss marcy cleary and if you guys remember episode 31 the monique episode we had her on there and she gave us the rundown of everything that was going on with monique and netflix and you know that whole contract dispute they had when monique felt she was getting paid for the special that she wanted to do on the platform Fast forward, we are back talking about more comedians. This time, we are talking about Dave Chappelle. So before we get into this Dave Chappelle and Viacom CBS dispute, let me give you a little bit more information about Marcy. Marcy Cleary is a partner in the entertainment group at Frankfurt Kernet, representing clients in the film, television, digital, and book publishing industries. Her clients include actors, news correspondents, writers, and influencers. Ms. Cleary has significant experience representing comedians in connection with the deals for stand-up specials, television and digital series, motion pictures, and recorded albums. Ms. Cleary also has become one of the podcast industry's go-to lawyers. She represents a number of successful podcast creators, hosts, on-air talent and producers, as well as underlying rights holders. Ms. Cleary is recognized by Variety in its 2020 Legal Impact Report. She was previously recognized in the Up Next list of Variety's 2018 Legal Impact Report. She is recognized by Best Lawyers in America in the 2021 edition of Ones to Watch for Entertainment and Sports Law. She has also been recognized in Super Lawyers Magazine as a rising star in the entertainment and sports field. Marcy, that is a mouthful (laughs) and so many accomplishments. I'm so happy to have you back on the show. Say hello to our listeners. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. I was actually looking how long has it been since I was on the show. It's been almost three years exactly. We're just shy of three years. And I think it's so funny. It's full circle that we're back talking about comedians and Netflix drama. And so I almost want to call this the Monique episode part two. Um, right. Because it's just, it's it's two different stories, but are so similar in many ways. So I'm so excited you asked me to come back so we can finish the conversation. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Uh, you guys, Marcy is an amazing lawyer and We have some uh, lawyer friends that we share in common and some of them who have negotiated (laughs) against her. Luckily, I have not, but they're all afraid of Marcy, but no, she's an amazing and fair attorney. Marcy knows her stuff. So I'm so excited to have her. Thank you for having me. So yeah, as Marcy mentioned, we are doing this whole Netflix debacle again with comedians, this time Dave Chappelle. And in some sense, Netflix is this time the good guy, I guess, mm. you know, depending mm. on how you look at it. Um, 
For those of you who don't know, Dave Chappelle had a comedy sketch show, The Chappelle Show, which aired from 2003 to 2006 on Comedy Central. And I'm sure we all watch that. You know, I think of those print sketches all the time. <laughs> Uh, Marcy, did you ever watch? Oh my that gosh, show? yeah. I, I, I'm not going to imitate his voice, but when you were saying, I was like the P Chappelle Show, Chappelle Show. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh yeah, I, I actually think I have the DVD box set to show how long oh, wow. ago that show's been on. Oh yeah, that's a hit. So, you know, uh, you guys, the Chappelle Show was on Comedy Central, and Comedy Central was on by Viacom Media Networks, which is now Viacom CBS. If you know, you guys haven't been paying attention to all the mergers and acquisitions going on around the media and entertainment industry. Um, with the, the Chappelle show, Dave Chappelle was the co-creator and executive producer and star of that show. Um, you know, he was doing that for a while. I know we all know that he walked away. What was it from like $50 million? Something yeah. happened and he went. I think he was gone for 12 years. He said he took a 12 year break. <laughs> oh, that's crazy we'll and you know too. the show was still popular right yeah. and successful yeah. so successful that streaming networks wanted to stream it um in november of 2020 the show was set to return on streaming platforms such as netflix and hbo um when that was announced i think it actually went up on netflix and hbo Dave Chappelle did an Instagram special entitled Unforgiven, where he discussed his disapproval of the show airing on the streaming platforms because Viacom was not paying him to license this show. Marcy, what was your first thought when you uh, saw this Unforgiven special and he, Dave talking about he wasn't getting paid? Um, I instantly thought there is more to the story that he's not telling in the Instagram post. So I was happy that he started the conversation, but I'll be honest, I also kinda, um, I was a little nervous. I was like, oh gosh, there's a lot more to this story about why he wasn't paid, what he'd been paid before, how are these contracts typically structured? Are they treating him unfairly? And we're just getting, what, 10 minutes of the story. Right. So I, I actually got like, oh, man, I'm going to have I got a little nervous. That's how I have to explain this to all of my clients. And sure enough, I had to explain it to all <laughs> of my clients that week. So I was happy he he um, raises to the consciousness. Right. I'm glad he's mm -hmm. he's starting the conversation. But my first reaction was, oh, Dave, there's so much more to the story that you're not sharing in this 10 minute IG video. Right. I agree. When he first uh, mentioned it, I was like, OK, what else? And he was talking about how the contract was right. unfair and who knows, you know, what contracts right. mean. And then I was thinking, did you have legal right. representation? Nobody told and, you. He said, you know, he'd been enslaved more times than his, you know, his the slaves and his family. I was just like, Oh no! Right. I mean, right. I, I'm glad he expressed himself. He has a platform to do it, but I'm glad we're having this conversation so that we can maybe give a little bit more color to that, those ten minutes. Exactly. So one of the main things that he stressed in that Unforgiven special was 
the language in perpetuity. So he was saying, you know, I got a lot of questions mm -hmm. about what does in perpetuity mean? I wrote an article about it for a mogul mm -hmm. millennium, but I would love for you to talk first about what in perpetuity means. Um, in it means forever. So, <laughs> so I'll tell you a typical contract that you sign when you've created your very first show uh, for Comedy Central or any network um, is uh, there's a whole, they'll start by talking about compensation. And then there's about maybe a page long paragraph called ownership. So we'll start with compensation, which says you'll pay X amount of dollars and you negotiate that number. And then the ownership paragraph is what do they get in exchange for that X number of dollars mm -hmm. that they paid you? And that's about a page long, that paragraph of right. what you got <laughs> for that X, X dollars, right? So what it'll say is it'll be a complete buyout of all rights. It'll say for X number of dollars, you're going to give me the right to air this show on television, in motion pictures, on DVD, mm -hmm. on airplanes, at Disney. Um, on a soundtrack, yeah. on, a, uh, on a tote bag, um, <laughs> on a snug. I mean, uh, Desiree, what am I missing? It is anything on a radio show. On a radio, right? yeah. Across a, streaming across platforms, anything. video, on and demand. And then they get you because yeah. they do the full list of everything they can think of. I said airplanes, uh, private jets. I mean, you name it. And then they'll say any manner now known or in after mm -hmm. device that means everything i thought of plus things that don't even exist yet right exactly I, and then i'll <laughs> say in perpetuity that means forever mm -hmm. it's a buyout that's what you call it a buyout right and so they own it they make all the decisions and it says not only do we have the right to do this we have the right to license it um and yeah. uh, do sub licenses send this to our affiliates our successors if we're purchased by another company they have to do yeah. this so that's a typical contract that's a typical and it'll say throughout the world or throughout and the, the universe, universe. So they anywhere. add another planet <laughs> right i can go yeah. on, on that new planet um but that's actually right. typical now so so what's interesting about it is you know, you have to figure out what's important to you. And so let's talk about mm -hmm. Dave Chappelle and what it was 2003, 2004. And he says, what's important to me now is different than what was important to me in 2003. Right. Exactly. So what was important to me in 2003 was that dollar sign, that compensation paragraph that I uh -huh. named. That's where we spent all of our time. And I, he said, yeah. I needed the money. I, you know, I was about to have kids. I was broke. I was, I call it a happy to be there deal. He was happy to be there. Um, and yeah. so he agreed to that. But then what happened in 2020, once they started exercising those rights that he, um, that he signed, he was like, oh, whoa, 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 that wasn't fair. So do you mean to tell me, Marcy, you know, with this ownership provision, he actually was paid for those rights in his initial he agreement. He absolutely was. He absolutely was. Yeah. And that's where when people ask me, because that was a conversation. Okay. When the mm -hmm. clients came were like, Marcy, um, oh man, that's so messed up. That happened. How do I prevent that from happening to me? And what mm -hmm. I say is money equals ownership, right? If you finance, yeah. if you pay for it, you own it. 
And that's fair, right? Like if we buy, spend money for a house, right? We own that house. And those are the deals that are typical and that's what they're doing. But, but, you know, the next question is, but how do I work around that? Right? Like you're saying that's typical, but it still doesn't seem fair. How do I work around it? Um, And so let's talk a little bit about that. What's interesting for comedy contracts, it actually is not typical for them to own everything. What usually able to carve out is owning your jokes, your intellectual property. That's a known thing in Mm -hmm. comedy, right? Like, I'll agree that you own the recording of my jokes, but I own that underlying intellectual property. Um, Even your name, if you register, if you trademark your name, you could say, hey, I own my name. I'll give you a license to use it in connection with it. Um, and right. connection with this show, but I own it. But if you trademark your name, that means uh, you paid for it, right? Like you spent money yeah. to own your name. Um, your comedic material, your bits, you know, that stuff you typically can't own. But what that means is, that means Chappelle or another comedian, you can go on tour, right? Like do stand up specials or go to the clubs mm-hmm. and you can tell your jokes. Comedy Central, whoever bought, they don't own your jokes, right? But they do, do own the recording of it. So the Chappelle show is interesting because he basically gave them his sketches, gave them his material, right? Because that was the premise of yeah. the show. And I don't know what he was able to carve back, you know, and hold on to himself. Sounds like nothing. Nothing, right. Because he needed the money, as he said. So we can't say that there That's was right. any attorney error because right. that was I'm normal. Gonna go with, said yep. that you, I'm going to go with not only did have an attorney, that attorney explained this to him. I'll just... I'll just guess that that happened. Mm -hmm. But back then, he valued his intellectual property differently than he did in 2020 after the success that Mm -hmm. he built, you know, after the critical acclaim that that show received. And with his his, uh, viewpoint, he was more educated. Right. So, you know, when he made the claim in that Unforgiven special that you know, Netflix and HBO was streaming stolen goods and, you know, they should feel bad for streaming stolen goods. He was actually incorrect, according to the agreement. agreement. And he said, and I do, I do think he said, I think he said, yeah, I signed it, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) you know, that is what he signed. But what he was saying is it's not right. Um, And so that's interesting to me. So mm-hmm. like when people talk about how can I own, I always say pay for it. If you don't have the money yourself, yeah. go raise the money. Okay. That's not so mm-hmm. easy for women and people of color, right? So that's a, right. you know, when they say the industry is not built for certain folks, you got to have the resources to be able to pay for things in order to own it. And not all of us have a trust fund, you know, or parents of money to play yeah. around, you know, go ahead and make your sketch show, you know, or, and use our money. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know who I always point to, who I feel like a lot of people don't talk about um, in a positive light when it comes to ownership, and they should, is Tyler Perry and Master P, right? Like, yeah, they oh, yeah. built their mm-hmm. success because they paid for it. So Tyler Perry, we always hear how all oh, those plays he used to do, you know, it's the same wig for the different character, you know, different characters. Yeah. We in somebody's church's basement. That's how he raised the money to be able to pay for his shows producer right. himself. So he was able to license it to TBS and then everywhere that he's licensing now and has his own studio because he paid for it. Master P, 
He had the CDs in the back of the trunk, but he paid right. for it, which is how he was able to own his own record label. He owned the distribution because he paid for it. Right. And I think that's a great point that you're bringing up. And it all boils down to ownership. Tyler Perry and Master P had the foresight of ownership, how much this will be in that's the future, right. not right now that's when right. I need this money. So I think, you know, that's something that, you know, black people in general, we don't necessarily think about now the tide is turning in yeah. some realms but you know that again that wasn't what Chappelle thought about back in 2003 right. um so you know he went on and he did this unforgiven special and you know he talked he called for a boycott and he didn't call for a boycott of Netflix or HBO but he said boycott me I thought that was very strategic you know saying don't watch the show because obviously if it's streaming then Viacom, CBS, Netflix, they get paid on the amount of streams. What do you think about that tactic? I thought it was a great tool to try to renegotiate his yeah, prior That's agreement. called leverage, you know? And mm -hmm. that's, another, you know, people say, you know, how can I own things? How can I regain control? It's what's your leverage. And what Chappelle did was spent, you know, the 12 years he took off, then he came back and with Netflix did those specials, created great material. Uh, you know, amassed almost 2 million followers on Instagram, he knew his leverage was his audience, right? Mm -hmm. So he said, yeah. okay, y'all stop watching and then they'll negotiate with me. That's actually why he, he did yeah. it to negotiate. It was a negotiation strategy and it was smart mm -hmm. um, because it worked. Even having, I think the networks and studios probably didn't want to be associated with, uh, you know, somebody of Chappelle's stature. That's a leverage he created. He's loved, beloved in yep. the community of him being upset and saying, hey, I'm not happy with these specific networks. I'm not happy with my show. And and people responded to it. That's what he said. And, you know, in the follow up is y'all stop watching. And then they were able to negotiate. Yeah. So do you think he probably tried to renegotiate before he had the leverage or he just waited to build so. up that leverage? I think what happened is because I was looking at the timing, he said that um, he they Netflix started streaming November 1st. He got yeah. them to take it down November 23rd, I think. And then he posted Unforgiven yeah. on November 24th. So I think what he was saying is uh -huh. I got Netflix to take it down, but I still don't have Comedy Central saying that they're willing to pay me for these streams. And so right. here's the next step. So I actually think he it was smart because he didn't do the nuclear option right away, a boycott. It sounds like he was yeah. trying to negotiate. He got Netflix to support, but couldn't get movement with Comedy Central. And that was the next step, which is an interesting tactic when we compare to Monique, remember? Yeah. And, and you know, that goes with relationships, right? Because... Dave Chappelle used that relationship that he built with Netflix because he did those specials for him. They trusted him. As you said, they gained followers, gained money okay. and streams from his smaller specials. And then when it came, they knew that he was yeah. an asset. So talk to us a little bit more about relationships. I love that point that you raised between him and Monique. Um, in dealing with Netflix? Well, we don't know the full story. You know, I refer everybody to episode, what, 31, you said? <laughs> yes, episode 31. <laughs> For full context. So we don't know. You know, I don't represent Monique. I don't represent Netflix. So we don't know the full story. Um, but what we read was that she wasn't happy with their offer. And her first step was to call for the boycott. Now, 
Yeah. What's interesting is, and uh, as a woman, very interesting to me, is how she called for a boycott and everybody said she was crazy. You know, no, right. nobody said, oh, y'all, this is messed up. They gave Amy Schumer this much money and they gave Chappelle and Chris Rock this much money and they give them Monique what? Like, you know, she called for a boycott. And I don't know that anybody stopped watching Netflix. Her response publicly was everybody's like, she's crazy. And it was interesting because we yeah. talked about that on, on that episode about you know, if it is true that she didn't respond to the negotiation, you know, to the offer, she just said boycott uh -huh. that we felt that was nuclear and maybe didn't make much sense. Right. And so I would say with Chappelle, mm -hmm. just based on what's publicly reported, because we don't again, you know, now I kind of not so sure we know the full story with Monique, but. Right. With Chappelle, it sounds like he didn't go nuclear and ask for everybody to boycott right away. Um, but what if she did? Is that so much, you know, is that wrong? Because you see the success he had by doing it. Yeah. And um, I believe she called on Chappelle and other wow. comedians to support her. And I can't recall at the moment if they publicly did. I don't recall Chappelle saying that. Did. No, I don't um, recall. <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of times it get, and especially black women get that <laughs> private support, but publicly everybody's like support black women. But I remember a lot of comedians saying, um, well, if Monique won't take that small oh, amount yeah. of money, then I will. But she's one That's of our right. queen she's of literally also, yeah, so a queen you know, of comedy. So that, for to me, you know, you said, "What did I think about when Chappelle said that?" I instantly thought about the Pop Law podcast because I said, "Wow, this literally three years ago we were talking about Monique and did she handle that correctly?" And look, she tried it before Chappelle did, and it seemed to work for him. Now, you know, at that point, with context, Chappelle had, I, I think, his deal with Netflix was for a hundred million dollars, like, you know, 20 million per special. Yeah. And he had, he'd done five mm -hmm. specials at that time. He had a, a, a real solid relationship, right? That we know yeah. that she didn't have. Um, but it was, it's interesting to see how that was treated much differently in the public. Yeah. The only thing that I, I guess the one distinction I will say between Monique and uh, Dave Chappelle's boycott call is he just said boycott my content as opposed to boycotting the That's entire true. streaming service which, so um you know but either way we should have supported her and and you know they should have supported people in the community i supported we her support we supported her, her. Remember, we talked we did, about yeah, it, right? 31 <laughs> we supported money <laughs> thank you yeah, so um, we'll fast forward a little bit, you know, and again, full circle moment, because uh, when Dave Chappelle and this issue first came up with Wycom CBS, it was November 2020. Here we are, February 2021. Mm -hmm. And it was recently announced that Viacom settled with him. Uh, the Chappelle show will be back on streaming platforms. Uh, Chappelle put out another a stand-up Instagram special called Redemption Song, where he talked about this. He thanked his fans. He thanked Viacom, CBS. He said they were paying him his money, um, and he owns his uh, name back. He got his name. He got his license back. He got his show, and they millions. paid him millions. So God bless. He deserves you know. it, though. You know. Um, <laughs> yeah. He deserved it. Um, it's a great ending for him, right? He even said it was a pleasure doing business with your Comedy Central. So 
So right. he was happy. <laughs> it was a great result. Um, but I, I think it's really when you see leverage at play, right? Like he had leverage, he used it mm-hmm. appropriately and he got the result that he desired. And that's fantastic. Uh, but really, I guess the, the question for everybody else is how do I get there? Right. And I'll right. tell you, I, um, you know, I think kind of how we got in touch. I have a big podcasting, uh, practice. I represent a lot of, uh, hosts yeah. and creators and producers and, um, distributors of podcasts and what always attracted to me, attracted me to podcasting was that it was actually the default in podcasting that you owned your material, you owned the show. So when you did deals mm. with these distributors, you owned the show. They just had a license to distribute it and you guys shared in a revenue and advertising revenue. That was incredible. But you know, the reason why was because these podcasts, the unscripted podcasts where you have what they call the talking heads, the people uh, talking, commentating, uh-huh. it doesn't cost much money to produce, right? If you have a microphone right. and a computer, um, you're all, you can do it, right? And I think because of that, because it wasn't that much money coming in, just because you had the creative idea, like this was your show, that's how the deals were done. That's not, it's funny, the ties are changing. And in podcasting, it's not always yeah. true anymore that you own the podcast because of all the money that's put into it now, the big budgets and backing that goes right. behind it. But, you know- it's kind of like, Marcy, how do I own something that'll be worth millions? Is is look at places, creating places where you can finance it, where you can control it, or you have a partner who they'll finance it, but allow you to continue to own it. It's things like that. Like you're not going to be able to own all the streaming rights in your Comedy Central show up front unless you, you fully developed it, it's fully baked, and they're just licensing it from you. But there are right. uh, ways in which you can own things. Look at um Issa Rae, how she created um, Adventures of the Awkward Black Girl, right, on YouTube. Yeah. She owned that series, right? And she used that as a platform yeah. to do her show Insecure on HBO. She was able to use that platform to create her own production company and create shows that she does right. own. You see? So there are yeah. stepping stones. You know, I don't want people to see, you know, Dave Chappelle. And that's when you asked me, how did I feel? I felt nervous because it's like, oh, no, like Chappelle's <laughs> a long story. But it is good because mm-hmm. it tells it gets you thinking about what can I do to lay a foundation so that I can own my own things if it's not immediately in the future. Because one thing, you know, we were talking about the funds and stuff. It's not like. It, we haven't black people. I say we because I'm I'm African American for the audience, but um, people of color and women, we haven't had the luxury of being able to pay for things to own things. So you know, I don't want people to right. feel bad or like they're being ripped off because they don't own it. But you just have to decide how much are things worth. Are you willing to give it up? Maybe, yeah. You know, maybe they paid you two million dollars. Yeah, you can stream. You know, do what you want with that or more. Yeah. Right. Or you say, this is resume building. I'll do this. And then my jewel will come later when I am in the position to own it. So in these type of agreements, whether it's a um, agreement where you're creating content for a a network or a podcast, is there typically any reversion language, you know, where you can give the rights immediately, but after a certain period of time, 
you maintain ownership or regain right. yeah. ownership? Um, that's what re- you described it perfectly. That's what reversion is, is if they don't produce a show, let's say we'll just do a pilot. And if it doesn't go to air, or if they don't produce a season, order it to, to a series, mm-hmm. you get those rights back. It's usually subject to a cost. You have to pay their money back that they spent, yeah. but you can take it to somewhere else, right? And they can help you pay back the cost. So you can raise the money yourselves to own it outright again. Um, you know, the other thing you should look at is being attached to the success of the show, right? Like if there are spinoffs, right? Mm-hmm. You want to be attached to render services for sure to be credited and to be paid money, even if you're not rendering services, some type of royalty. Um, I call it the um, all my children deals, like the person who wrote all my children is paid, okay? <laughs> because they yeah. they have a royalty, right? Because they created the foundation of the show. So as long as all my children's on the air, they'll be getting paid. Um, you know, another thing are the guilds, the unions, right? So you have the Writers Guild of America. Yeah. Um, SAG, AFTRA, right? And those guilds, if you become a member of those guilds, they negotiate on their uh, members' behalf, right? These reversion terms, royalties, residuals. Mm-hmm. And they've had in recent years, I even think since we've talked, had to renegotiate with these networks and studios to make sure the creators again paid appropriately when the projects are streamed on shows. You know, they go from traditional yeah. networks to streamers. So that's another, you know, if you try to make sure that your agreement is guild covered, is how they describe it, then that's another backstop you have in making sure you get your rights back or you're paid and attached if, the, if it is successful. Yeah. So, you know, I want to put a button in this for people, you know, Viacom, they had the proper ownership of the Chappelle show and they did not have to renegotiate no, with Dave Chappelle. At all. To. You know, they had the right to not pay him a penny. That's what he signed. Why do you think they did? Why they did what? Uh, renegotiate oh, um, the contract, allow opinion. him. Uh, another thing, they want repeat customers, right? And if it's in the marketplace mm. that they're having these really huge superstars that Chappelle is now, or even actually the baby first time creators, and they're given unfair yeah. deals that are being compared to slavery in the public. Yeah, that's not, it's not yes. going to attract um, creators to want to come work with you. So I would say public opinion had a huge thing to do with it. And that's why Chappelle, you know, probably called for the boycott because he probably knew that was his biggest leverage point. Um, also, Dave said, listen, it was new studio hits, you know, comedy soon by somebody yeah. different. And so he said, hey, we want to be in business with you, Chappelle. Um, also, they make money, right? Off of these streams. That's their right. licensing fee. So if Netflix and HBO Max says, hey, you know, we can't run this anymore. We want to get our deal with you. They lose money. So they make more money by, you know, being in favor with Dave. Absolutely. Um, so do we have any advice for people who, and non-legal advice, but just public opinion, for people who um, are in deals and they don't have ownership and want to regain ownership, but they don't have the leverage? Um, okay. I would say start actually before that. Know what you signed. That's humongous, right? If you sign a contract, like, Get somebody, you know, ideally engage a lawyer, get somebody or you read it yourself. Right. Know what you what you're giving up. Right. And so you won't feel surprised. You should never feel surprised later about what's in your contract. That's on you. Right. You shouldn't be surprised by anything that you sign. 
But number two is, okay, let's say you didn't have the leverage. Like you said, you had to give away ownership. I think build your stature, right? What Chappelle did, right? He kept working. He, he not only did the Chappelle show, right? He has all these specials, you know, that were fantastic. He was hosting Saturday Night Live. Like he was creating an audience for work and to make money for himself, right? So figure out those ways. Yeah. And then you get to a point where if it, you know, if it makes sense, you know, that you can go back and renegotiate it, or maybe you just create a world that's like, listen, they can have that, you know, they can have, you know, pop law, but they can't have universe law podcast, you know, that I'm going to keep. Yeah. It's okay if they, you know, if they're streaming pop law. Um, but I think you got to start with knowing exactly what you sign and being comfortable with it in your soul that you're fine with it. And 10 years from now, if you're Oprah Winfrey, how are you going to feel about that deal? You know, <laughs> final point we talked about in perpetuity, it comes up in conversation a lot now that people are learning what it means. And we told them it means forever. Is there ever a situation where and perpetuity is fine to sign? Gosh, I, I'll tell you, for me, I always say subject to reversion. You know, that's what you were saying when you were telling us about mm -hmm. reversion, that you get the right mm -hmm. back. They don't have it forever if they don't do anything with it, right? Now, if yeah. it's going to be a great success that they financed, right, and you're attached forever, that's a different thing, right? Like yeah. if this show is going to be successful and you have in their language that you're attached not only to all episodes of all seasons for the life of this show, um, but also any subsequent productions, right? Like any derivatives, then maybe mm -hmm. you're like, yeah, because I'll go along with the ride. Well, I think that sums it up, Marcy. You know, we talked about this Dave Chappelle and Viacom um, debacle and what all went on with there. We We've concluded that he probably did have legal counsel, but money yeah. was important. It was to worth him it at the beginning. The time. It not was worth ownership it at the time. Yeah, but then, but his point larger is like that's not fair to put us in that situation. When he says, when I say us, I mean the creators, because most of us are going to be broke when we first get started. You know, most <laughs> of us are going to sign it. So it's interesting. You know, hopefully his call. You know, it's a call to action on you know how people think about these deals but again you got if you want to own it typically you paid for it. exactly so if you don't have the funds yourself raise it between your family your friends so you can maintain that ownership and license That's it later right. right and reversion is important so we talked about that um let's see ownership is important for long term, but sometimes money might be yep. what's most important to you. Understand but I think, fine, then, you, know, you know, what I like. Any last words do you have about this Dave Chappelle situation? Um, any other agreements, Monique? You know, we are so happy to have you here, and the listeners will love anything you have to tell us, especially during this Black History Month and return. Yeah, I would just say keep creating, you know our intellectual property, right? Like our creativity is worth so much money. I mean, Chappelle is indicative of that, right? Like that was worth millions of dollars. He was not paid that, but it was worth mm -hmm. it. So value yourself in that way. You know, realize that you may have to make sacrifices, 
or say, no, I'm not. I'm going to go perform this show in basements, right? Until I get an audience or raise right. enough money that I can do what I want with it. I'm going to collaborate with my friends. But, you know, keep creating because there's nobody can take that away from you, right? The value in your ideas, but also just realize mm -hmm. it's a business and be smart about it. You know, if, if you're not completely business savvy, hire a lawyer, you know, hire somebody who can help you understand it so that you go in making decisions with your wide, your eyes wide open. Yeah, I think that's extremely important. Uh, I love to tell people hire lawyers in the beginning. It's easier for us to, you know, help you in the contract in the beginning versus getting you out. And that money is worth it up front. And so you know, sometimes creatives give a little pushback on hiring legal counsel or don't think that they can afford it. But you can just value your art how you want other people or legal representation, how you want people to value right. your art. So um, I think, you know, having you was great and we learned a lot today. And where can people contact and find you if they uh, have more questions or need legal representation? If sure, of course. Uh, my name is Marcy Cleary, M-A-R-C-I-E, um, C and Cleary, C-L-E-A-R-Y, but you'll see it on the, on the podcast, but you can just search for me at my law firm, Frankfurt Kernett, Klein and Sales is the firm. Um, so search for us there. You'll see my full contact information there. I'm also on social media at Marcy Cleary, uh, spelled the same on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you so much. I am so happy to have, you know, a top attorney in this entertainment and sports law group. I'm very happy, Marcy. Um, it's just amazing seeing all the accolades. And I definitely look up to you as an attorney. And I'm happy you are here and sharing, you know, your wisdom with me and the listeners. And this full circle moment is a great way to start pop law off on again in this black. Thank you so much life. for having me. Y'all are one of my favorite podcasts for sure. So I'm happy to be here. So pop law has just wrapped its first episode of 2021. We are in black history month. I'm so excited for our return. Um, you know, we were a twosome podcast. Expect to see Tyrone, our former co-host, joining us in the future, whether full-time, part-time. But he is still available on all social medias. He's busy with work and still a part of the show, just not physically here with us right now. So the interview series will feature me with some distinguished attorneys. And then we might branch off to non-attorneys probably on a monthly basis as we are still during this pandemic. Everyone's schedule is hectic and still figuring it out, but I'm so happy to bring the show back to you guys. I know you've asked for it. So here it is. Um, and we will be dropping legal jams for you all. But please remember, we are not your attorneys.